choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another, or to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. Uh, we've got, uh, we got with us today the man, the myth, the legend. A true knucklehead. Uh, well, for lack of a better term, he is uh, he's really a patriot, an American hero in my mind, uh, Tim Kennedy. Uh, he, is, uh, he is here live in Austin, Texas. We are literally in the belly of the beast. Uh, we are in Hipsterville. I think they call it the domain here yeah. uh, in Austin. Uh, yeah, but not only are we at the domain, we're at a, a, a socialist <laughs> of a workspace, which yeah. is actually cool. Yeah. I, I, I like community, but they, um, man, they really they push really it. <laughs> they really do it up here. Yeah. Well, last minute notice on, on my part, I was saying, oh, shoot. That was my, that's my fault. Well, that's it's cool. cool. We're yeah, up north. It's your fault. It's my, it's my, it's my Austin, Texas, right. South by Southwest. <sighs> Dangerous. Dangerous. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? So, um, again, you know, what we're talking about here on this podcast, I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast, they have a, they have a common thing. Uh, they, they present one image and nine times out of 10, probably 9.8 times out of 10, there's something different behind closed doors than what they present. So we want to perpetuate a, a, a thought process that is get rid of filters, stop being beta, have an alpha mindset, not necessarily alpha from a standpoint of, uh, of you just, you know, you're trying to rip work, kick, kick doors in and uh, take, take on prisoners. Yeah. Um, because to a certain extent, that's kind of unrelatable to some people. But we want to do it with that type of attitude. Man, I think people misunderstand what alpha means. I think so too. Like, it, it, it's not a Cro-Magnon man asshole that's like walking out into the woods to kill a, a wolf. Sure. Like, the only bit of that short example that is relevant is it's a man that wants to provide that will protect. And then everything else is about selfless service. It's having the courage to not have an ego, not to have pride, to cry in front of your kids, you know, to be a romantic enough to, like we were talking crap about the domain. I, I have reservations at this little place around the corner called Dance With Me for my wife and I to do some, some more tango dancing. Cause we go down to Argentina every year and we go and watch tango dancing. So like, is that alpha for me to go and dance with my wife with tight, tight pants and um, you know, perfect posture and, and nice fancy shoes? I think it is. That's my version of alpha. First, oh, yeah. You know, dancing to, to, to dudes, uh, I mean, quite frankly, can you think of a better way to pick up? I mean, if you were a single guy and you could dance and you guys some gang, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually a check in the box yeah. for a lot of basic, for a lot of people. Um, I, my, my wife, was, it's funny, you listen, I appreciate you saying that because now she's going to be like, all right, we got to dance us. Yeah. She was a dancer all throughout high school, so I, I can't dance to save my life, but <laughs> something tells me I'm going to have to start. You're going to have to. Thanks, yep. I appreciate that. Um, well, getting right into it then here, we, part of what kicked this thing off was uh, just, a, just an irritation that I had post-military, right? I mean, I started a business here in Austin, a fitness and wellness company, right? So we provided fitness services. Uh, and just through that whole process of, of providing global wellness services to companies and, uh, and individuals, we got, I, I got really irritated with people's offense that they take all the time. And then that, what started to perpetuate it was, it seemed to snowball into everybody got offended about everything. It's like the flavor of the week. So uh, there seems to be this, this glorification of a beta mindset for men 
And you said a couple days ago, well, I'm not sure when you reported it, but on one of your podcasts, you said um, it's not a, what'd you say? A, a man would never even think about trying to overpower somebody weaker. So what's the problem with aggressiveness or forward, like aggressive patience, I think is what Jocko calls it. What's the, what's the, what's the irritation or pushback against that mindset, in your opinion? No, I, I think um, we're supposed to be strong. I think we're supposed to be powerful. I think we're supposed to um, be fearless and courageous and be able to run through a wall, tear the jaw off an alligator and beat a bear to death with it. You know, like that's, all, that's all great stuff. And with all of that power, um, you could call it white privilege, you could call it male privilege, you can call it whatever you want, it is. Like, that's how we're supposed to be. And that gives us a position and an opportunity to be servants, to be selfless, to be, to sacrifice. And oftentimes, I think that the people that are offended, um, they don't know what to do with somebody that is strong, smart, successful, but wants to serve. And that's, that scares people sometimes. And their, their offense oftentimes comes from their own insecurity. Well, here's another opportunity as a barrel-chested freedom fighter, meat-eating, beer-drinking, motorcycle-riding, bikini-loving American to yet be a servant again and, and recognize that that person's scared and that they're uncomfortable and that they're even easily offended and help them. You know, like take yet yeah, again another opportunity and, and let your pride go away again and figure out how to make them a better version of themselves. That sucks. Well, first of all, it requires you to take a tremendous amount of responsibility on the front end to, to know how to do that, to set that example for somebody else. So you take it upon yourself. And I've seen in a lot of cases where you've, you've really gone out of your way. But one example is the entire thought process of sheepdog. Uh, I heard you go through that with Jocko on his podcast. Um, the, there was a colonel, forgive me, I forget his last name, his, his last name right now. Uh, can you talk about that? Can you talk about, because you said something, you said they don't know how, right? And so with Sheepdog, you literally are teaching people how, but you've done it. So you've literally unfolded and shook the process down. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not teaching people what to do. I'm teaching people how to think. Okay. Um, like I can show somebody how to throw a jab. I can show somebody how to draw a gun and shoot. But what I really have to show them, I'm not telling them what to think. I'm trying to show them how to think. You know, and, it, and that's, those are very different things. How to think about freedom. How to think about sacrifice. How to think about, you know, right now where we are on the third floor of this building. Who's in this room? Who's in the adjacent room? How am I getting out? Where are the exits? Where did I park? These are all things that I, that I set up. In, in a very, even though I, I know who you are and I, you know, there's no concern or threat, you know, when I, when I emailed you, I had walked the whole entire room, the whole entire building already and kind of like figured out what's going on. Just, yeah, just teaching, even now, myself, giving myself an opportunity to, to how I'm supposed to think. So with Sheep Dive Response, you know, like there's all sorts of acronyms. There's the, the OODA loop and, and for us, it's the four A's. Um, Awareness, assessment, action, and analysis. We're just trying to get people's minds to to open up. Uh, you know what's what's happened in the past. You know, just today we had a bridge collapse in Florida. Um, a bunch of people got hurt. You know, in Parkland a couple of weeks ago, seventeen kids got got murdered by an idiot. Um, you know, like we just you could go to a gay nightclub in Orlando, and um, you know, at the Pulse, you're just there to have a good time with your boyfriend. 
people are getting shot up. You know, you're at a Christmas party in San Bernardino and somebody comes in because they don't like Christmas and start shooting people. You're on a marathon in Boston and you get blown up. You're at a Marine 5K in New Jersey and there's pipe bombs on the road. Um, like, you're not supposed to live in fear, but we have to live awake now. You know, we, it's this is a different world. Like, yeah. this, this didn't happen when I was 10 years old. Yeah. You know, like, for me at 10, it was like, don't drown your little sister in the pool. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, a different, it's a different thing now. Um, and we're just trying to prepare a pacified America with um, what reality in the future is going to be. <clears throat> That's interesting for a couple of reasons. And I, I, don't, I didn't want to stop you during that, but you touched on something you said. Uh, you, you said that you don't teach people how to think. Or excuse me, uh, you don't teach people what to do. You teach people how to think. And, you know, with somebody who works out twice a day as much as you do, I mean, you got your UFC fighter, you're a rare breed. To get to that level of athleticism and compete at that level, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a, a fraction of a percentage of the world's population. So the, the, the repetition and the discipline associated with that, um, you understand what's required in order to actually think dynamically because you have to train your brain and your body to follow. I mean, you, you train your brain first and then your body follows. How would you say for a veteran who's getting out of the military, who already has that structure put in place, they already have that repetition, and you rip away that framework, what do you do now? But you, you said it, you, you, you train the brain first and the body follows. So the, the structure's gone, sure. but the brain already knows what to do. You just have to execute it. It, it really comes down to discipline. You know, like, God, I hate like giving credit to the military for anything. Um, you know, but when you look at their core values, you know, doing the right thing, the definition of integrity in the military is doing the right thing when no one's looking. You know, like, so what is the, the right thing? My, my son, my two-year-old son is taking a nap. Um, I'm caught up on work because I flew in this morning and I got to sit on a plane for three hours and ham just slam emails for three hours so that by the time I landed, I could go straight to my family, hang out with them, yeah. crush a workout, nap time, crush another workout. You know, come here by the afternoon. I got a bunch of people coming over this afternoon and we're gonna go hunting tonight in the middle of the night. So like, what are you, how disciplined are you being with every second of your time? So like, you've been trained, you know what to do. You know how to be efficient. You know how to make the, the tough decisions and take the, the hard right over the easy wrong. Right. Now it's just about doing it. You don't have somebody to tell you to do it. You just have to do it. Sure. You know, goddamn Nike, just do it. But seriously, that's what you have to do. You just have to step up, you have to own it. You have to take that individual responsibility yeah. and execute. I mean, you're absolutely right. You think that, you think that, if, well, offer my opinion, and then I'd like to get Tim Kennedy's. Uh, there's not enough examples where people choose to give credibility or credence in this day and age, where there's younger guys who are who are going there or, or who are taught the path of least resistance, and they're never really corrected, and so because they're not they're never corrected, they they continue this pathway of uh, path of least resistance. The path of least resistance is almost always wrong. Like it is, like if, you know, they, scripturally, you know, they, they say like, so many people take that, that, that broad, easy, comfortable route, right? But it's the straight and narrow, that's the difficult one. Sure. And, and it's, it's phrased that way for a reason because it's hard to get there. Um, the easy solution, the quick fix, the, 
Um, I have a sickness. Let me take a pill. I'm fat. Let me do the 20 minute diet. You know, like all of those things fail. Ultimately, they don't. They, they not only fail the short term, but you in the long, in the, in the long term. It's one of the reasons why my whole career, 17 years as a professional athlete, I never took steroids once. And not not. And I was tempted millions of times, maybe. Like I can't even put a number to the amount of times that I thought about it or I had somebody come up and offer it, but not one time. And not, not just because, you know, I lost world titles twice. I fought for world titles two different times and I lost both those fights. Um, maybe I would have been a world champion with, with a little bit of juice, you know, but not only would I lose my moral high ground, not only would I lost my path of what the straight and narrow looks like for me, um, you know, never having an alcohol sponsor either, never having a tobacco sponsor. Those are all very intentional choices. But more importantly, it, it was shaping my mind to always know what hard felt like, what always pain felt like. Yeah. You know, if I'm gonna go in the back after a fight and get stitches, the, the refs or the, the, the doctors would look at me like I was a madman. I was like, do not give me any painkiller. You just sew that closed. Because I wanted that pain. Because the pain, that pain and that struggle is where we get better. Like, how do our muscles yeah, grow? True. I mean, that's true. That's true. Our muscles grow when they fail, right? They tear up. They tear. The mind is the same. You have to tear. You have to break. You have to reach that point of struggle to get better. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to live in mediocrity, mediocrity the rest of your life. You're going to be lukewarm. You know, like, yeah. that sucks. So the, the lukewarmness and, the, like, the literally the adulation that average gets now and I, and there's there's a myriad of different examples of people who are high performing and not disciplined in their workouts yeah. right they're high performing but they're not disciplined in their uh their actions uh, what i mean by that is you see infidelity you see all types of crap that happens with when men uh objectify women in a certain way or they uh, they belittle i guess the actions of somebody else the discipline of somebody else and uh, and you see you see it happen. You see uh, athletes all the time. I mean, I can think of an example right off the top of my head. Somebody who I know who's um, a professional athlete now, about ready to get married, and was it was was messing around with a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. And now and now she's got consequences she has to deal with. If you know what I'm saying, it's yeah. it's terrible. Uh, last night in in Southern Florida, uh, well, energy drink company was was there for a party. You know, the energy drink companies, I mean, they're notorious. Talk about objectifying women. You know, like all, all of those girls and are tiny little scantily clad things. Not that it's like bad. They can do whatever they want. As long as it's fitness. Yeah. Yeah, you have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful wife. They And mine's a feminist. You know, like she can do whatever she, if she wants to wear whatever she wants, God bless her. You know, like if she wants to wear a burqa, she can do whatever she wants. Sure. You know? But la you know, last night specifically, not, I almost think there was an assumption where some of these girls thought, okay, I'm, I'm the kind of celebrity guy there. They're like, what, what room are you in? You know, like, I'm traveling by myself. My wife's here in Texas. Uh, like, it was almost so blatantly expected, like that, hey, you know, we're the paid pretty girls and you're the paid celebrity guy, so this is just how it's supposed to work. And I was like, girl, this is not how it's supposed to work. I'm getting up at 3.30 in the morning to drive to the airport to take a 6 a.m. flight to the first thing the first thing smoking so I can get back to my family, so I can get back to work, so I can get back to the hard, the right things and the hard things. Yeah. Saying oh, my, my room is 14209 is a really easy thing to say. Sure. Um, 
but it it's not the next day when you're with your kids right it's it's again it's the hard right yeah you know Uh, in this context i'll say the difficult right just so it's not punny. I didn't know you had a sense of humor. That's cool. All right, so we have. Uh, there was one thing that I wanted to, to ask you about. With um, so there's a, there's a there's a group of guys that I connect with. They're, they're veteran entrepreneurs, and there seems to be this this misinformation out there about specifically veterans that uh, that you know you go to a restaurant you happen to get a discount on your meal for being a veteran. And that can perpetuate this kind of dependent mindset if you're not careful. Entitlement. Okay, there we go. That's exactly what that's, that's kind of what I wanted to hear about. Oh, man. That's kind of nasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sliced, sliced my, my heart open and tore it out and put it on the table because it yeah, infuriates me. Well, um, what's what's interesting is how can, then, uh, how can somebody, in, I guess, delineate between being receiving support yeah. and, and then, I guess, what appreciating you, a compliment. What, you were you pro- what were you promised when you signed that, that dotted line and you raised your hand for the first time? What did they say you'd get? Here's your pay grade, yeah, that's it. right? That's it. We're going to give you a bed sometimes yeah. and you'll get food sometimes. sometimes. That's it. There's no like, you're going to get disability, you're going to get discounts, you know, it's not like... I'm a veteran, so now my opinion matters more, or I'm a veteran entrepreneur, so you should give me my business over somebody else. No, 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 that's not how it works. How it works is we're supposed to be better at everything because we went through the structure and the discipline and the self-sacrifice and the courage and the pain and the suffering, the struggle, so that when now on the far side of it, we know what success looks like. So if I make cupcakes, I'm I'm a veteran cupcake company, right? Sure. Um, I don't want to, my, if my, if my mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not bad. There has to be one somewhere, but it's like, you should come buy my cupcakes because, because I'm veteran owned. They're red, white, and blue frosting. Yeah. That sounds just like, I want to go and burn that place down. Sure. You know, how about this? You have the most delicious, moist, fantastic cupcakes and you figured out a new recipe that you worked hours and hours and hours on and then you flew to South America to source the best bean that you're going to use in your coffee flavored uh, cupcake, you know, and then you have the best goddamn cupcake on the planet. So they're not coming to buy it because you're a veteran. They're coming to buy it because it's the best cupcake ever. Insert any product, any company, doing anything. That's what it should be. They're not coming to you because you're a veteran. They're coming to you because you're the best at what you do and you're the best at what you do because you're taught how to do it in the military. So go succeed. Stop being a bitch and expecting any form of handout because I never got promised it. I got promised pain. I got promised bad knees and bad back and um, you know nightmares. Well, I got that, you know? So now let's move forward and succeed. Yeah. In spite of all those, actually probably because of them. For sure because of them. Yeah. Um, how does your wife, well, how does your wife deal with, so you're an intense guy, right? Which is not really, well, um, let's say when I say intense, you're, you're a driven guy. I can focus singularly on a thing until I achieve it. All right. Uh, so you don't like it. I got it. I apologize. All right. So (laughs) help me out here. Um, so when it comes to, when it comes to, uh, seeing something that you want, go after it okay? yeah that can create a little bit of a weight behind you in some cases 
And if people are right alongside you, they're not running at your same pace, um, it can create some tension. And so there's, there's communication that has to uh, obviously facilitate keeping relationships intact and everything else. So how's your wife deal with appointments and that type of thing? Um, yeah, so I'm crew, I got a baker's dozen coming up here. This will be my 13th appointment that I just found out that I'm gonna probably be going on. Um, General Mattis, who's awesome, I'm like, to Mattis, he, he pretty much said that every special operations guy is gonna deploy in the next year or they're gonna get out. <clears throat> no matter who you are or what you do or how famous you are or how much money you have, it doesn't matter. If you're a, if you're a shooter, go do your job, which is cool. Um, but that as a guy that's been in, in been in military for 15 years and we've been at war for 17 years, um, you know, like I've kind of checked that block. I thought, uh, no, you know, and I got a lot of people looking at me, and if I'm not going to go, then they can't go. Right. You know, so I have to lead by the front and be an example of what selfless service still looks like. And when they say go, when the country calls, you're still no matter who you are, you're going to go. Um, my wife came into this with eyes wide open. Um, not that she can't complain, not that she can't be mad, because she, she can be and she does. Um, but when we when we got married, it was uh, a couple of months before I went to Iraq to go kill the, I think it was the Ace of, the Ace of Hearts in the stack of most sought after terrorists on the planet. Like that's what we were going to do, and she knew that. Um, at the same time, I was, she'd also see me on the weekends, come back with swollen hands and black eyes from fighting. It's yeah. so, like, she knew what she was signing up for. Um, you know, she eyes wide open, no question, this is, this is what, what part of the bargain was gonna be. Um, at this point, is it, uh, is it more than she asked for? For sure. You know, the, uh, having a husband means that you're supposed to have him. Not not three months out of the year, yeah. you know. Not six months out of the year, like twelve months out of the year, and um, you know she she's she's struggling right now. Yeah, she's figuring out what this is going to look like. Um, my uh, my wife so I deployed in two thousand eight two thousand nine. Uh, so she she married me, and it's it's interesting the the uh, the day that we got married. 11 days, 12 days later, or something like that. I was supposed to go on a two-year unaccompanied tour to Okinawa. And so she she spent almost a full year living in Dallas, and I lived in Okinawa. Then through the process of doing the uh, Marine Corps bureaucratic dance, was able to actually make it happen where she could come over there, and then I deployed. Yeah. So she moved, left her family, and came to live with me, because that's what husband and wife supposed to do, right? Yeah. And then I left for a deployment. So that was... That was the one time that that happened. However, um, understanding how how incredibly strong of a woman it takes to be to to, to do the right thing and uh, be above reproach, you know what I'm saying? It's just it just it's a it's a it's an environment that in the military you see more often than not doesn't work out. You want to see a bad bitch? You want to see the coolest girl on the planet? The one that like we should really be worshiping like cool a dude in body armor with a beard that's like kicking indoors and slaying terrorists that's pretty cool that faithful wife back home that's paying bills that's working a job that's picking up kids that's wiping asses and cleaning noses and 
um, making sure that you don't foreclose on your home, that your car doesn't get repoed, that your electricity stays on, that um, we'll still take some sexy photos and send it over to a man overseas. Dude, that's a badass girl right there. Yeah. And they're rare. But man, when you find one, no, they are. They are diamond in the rough. In the rough, real, real, real. Well, it's interesting that when you know what you got, that you got one. That's that's the that's the most incredible part. Um, You were talking, you were talking about, um, you were talking about hunting in one of your most recent, well, one of the most recent ones I've listened to. Um, I like. How did you start doing that? Was that just something that was an extension of how you grew up? Or yeah, man, I just grew in the country. I grew up in the country. Um, as a California kid, I was like, man, you were from Hollywood? I was like, no. Like, you're a surfer? I was like, no. Cal- like, yeah. Like, the Central Coast. Okay. But um, it was like an hour to, to anything for us. Okay. So, like, we just fought with Mexican kids that were, you know, trying to... We were outnumbered. Out in Texas. <laughs> okay. So I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, this, my, uh, I, I fixed barbed wire fence. I threw, I bailed hay. You know, I, I was a slave on a ranch. Sure. You know, um, there was no opportunity to do anything besides work hard. Um, split wood all, all fall, throw hay all summer, um, fix pipes all spring. Fix barbed wire all winter. You know, that's just that's just the life. So you've essentially that's kind of where you got your start, hunting. Or mm-hmm. yeah, like we we you know I carry sometimes a revolver with with a snake shot in it. Yeah, and then like a um, a little ten twenty two Ruger ten twenty two with a thirty round magazine. If we saw a coyote or we saw a skunk or or um, we you know anything that hurts land we yeah. shoot it. Yeah, and that was just. Normal. We see a woodpecker, you know, it dies. You see, yeah, uh, you know, there's probably about ten things on our kill list that was just any time, any place. And then, and then my dad would take us, you know, occasionally to actually go hunting. But that was more of like a a teaching opportunity than it was a hunting trip. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. You see, you see a lot of that, in, in, especially out in West Texas now, where people who, they, I mean, quite frankly, they need people out there and get rid of uh, I mean there's a bunch of wild boar that just will rip up the land I mean you name it so Dude, I, if you open my email right now I probably have five or six requests for me to send hunters to a very specific area to kill a specific predator sure um, that's awesome I mean just just on just east of uh, Fooderville one of my friends Coy and Valerie they have a ranch out there yeah. And they have some cats that are tearing up their their baby cattle, and um, like two of them. They, I mean, they have they have them on their game camps, and they're like, "Please come and save." You know, they've lost three or four cows. You know, that's like ten thousand dollars, just gone. You know, from a cat. Yeah. So, and then if you get to, if you get down to like South Texas, man, you could kill hundreds of thousands of pigs and not make a dent in the population. You go out to West Texas. They're begging you to shoot elk because really? the elk are destroying the water troughs and they're breaking fences. You know, so like they they can't control their own property because the elk are so big. Those Roosevelt elk would be like, do, 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 do. I'm just gonna walk through this. Was that a fence? It was a big, I mean, it was a big animal. They're huge. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, 
I mean, part part of hunting, we are we are laborers of the land. We are yeah. wardens and protectors of this very fragile system, yeah. and um, and nature can't always balance itself because other parts of human action, interaction screws it up. Sure. So we as hunters, as good stewards of the land, as alphas, we have to be servants, and we have to and we have to protect it and balance it. How often do you go? I mean, that's, that's Dude, every time. You don't have to. I mean, you got You're just talking about being gone all the time. Yeah, I mean, but like, I got, I got home today. Yeah. I start work tomorrow. I'm yeah. gonna go hunt tonight. You know. That's cool. Yeah. So okay. like, I got. Oh, you can find time. You that's find cool. what your priorities are. That's true. Um, and also for me, it keeps as as hunting, like especially at night. So you know, I'm, I'm wearing a bump helmet with night vision. Um, sometimes I'll even hunt in body armor. So I can get accustomed oh, to moving at night yeah. in my kit. Interesting. So it keeps my trade craft, my skill craft, very sharp. Yeah. Um, I can still move through the woods. You know, like you, you see this hairy-handed ape, and you, you forget that you put me in the in the woods at night, and I'm at home. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You talked about that, and what was it? Uh, I can't remember which podcast it was, but you were talking about uh, you were talking about like the, if, if somebody came into a movie theater. And started, you were like, oh, well, first of all, what I would do is I'd hear the, the door click. Right? No, it was the gym. If somebody came in the gym and was going to hurt, you were like, I'd hear the door click, and then I'd be in heaven. I would be. Yeah, like the hardest thing would be not to show my excitement and maybe hide my erection. Yeah. You know, as I finally get to like do what I've been preparing for. Seriously. All the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to love it. You got to love it. Uh, I mean, the things that we wanted to talk about today, the reason why, the reason why we started this is, is um, I don't want to say the, the avoiding of mistakes, but um, not being willing to take the, I guess, the bad whenever you go through a mistake. Yeah. And, and so, therefore, you try to avoid it as much as possible. For instance, you go to college. You, you didn't do what you were, said you were going to, like study. So, you bomb on a test. Guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, Super easy, obvious consequence for not doing something you're supposed to. Seriously, very, very obvious. But whenever you, whenever you go through that process so much, it seems like today, in today's uh, culture, specifically, there's a, uh, there's this um, thought process that you're almost coddled up until you're about 20, 21 years old, and then all of a sudden the world will just kind of hit you in the face. So, in your experience, whatever you're dealing with. You know, soldiers or service members, do you see that much difference between those guys or guys who were in college? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I love hazing. You love what? I love hazing. I love hazing. Yeah. I was hazed, like, to a degree that it would probably be criminal if I, I don't even know what the statute of limitations would be on some of the things they did to us, you know? It probably has passed, but. And it was like the greatest thing to prepare me for succeeding later. You know, like, is it a huge jump, like a departure from a dude standing over me and pissing on the back of my head to now being a successful entrepreneur, to a successful UFC fighter, to a successful soldier? Um, no, because I can see all the connections from there all the way until success and all the little, you know, being beaten with a phone book and being trapped in a, in a cage that I couldn't stand up on and, and being in a, in a, in a box that I couldn't even take a full breath, you know, like true torture and real hazing. 
to be a better version of myself. Like just today, mid midday workout, I'm grappling at Grace, Grace Umida. And um, yesterday when I was in Florida, I went to another gym that had, there's probably 15 black belts there. Of course, they all know who I am, right? Now, could I have gone and just done what I'm good at and just beaten them with Tim Kennedy Jiu Jitsu? Yeah. Or could I have realized this was an opportunity for growth, swallowed my pride, swallowed my ego, and try and do the things that they were trying to do and give them an opportunity to maybe even choke me, to sub me, to tap me. You know, where the whole room would see Tim Kennedy tap, but in the, I would maybe get a little bit better. Like, so today in this midday workout, where it's my second workout already, I traveled, only got a few hours of sleep last night, and getting tired towards the, towards the end of class, we're doing three minute rounds, back to back goes, and um, I saw my little inner bitch come out. You know, it's like looking at me in the eye, and I was like, hey, what's up? You know, like we, we had that moment where I saw, I was like, I saw an opportunity to take an easy path and you know, do a thing where I end up in a dominant position, I could recover and rest for a second, or I could do that other thing, which I would have to expend just a little bit more energy. And in that moment where I was like, not, not that I had this existential, like the world froze, or looking, out, yeah, there's no out of body experience here. Do the right thing, do the hard thing. But there was a, okay, very clear, I could do the easy thing or I could do the hard thing. And I'm gonna get better doing the hard thing, and I'm just gonna stay the same doing the easy thing. So I went the hard route, you know? And um, the feeling of knowing that you just gave yourself an opportunity to grow, to improve, um, you can't. Like I fight for, I mean, one in a million. I, f I fight for moments like that now and they're so hard to come by for me. You know, I look at, you know, After you're talking about that when you stop fighting or, or you just in? Just in general now, like I'm at a point where to get a little bit better, like I have to struggle to find those opportunities. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm decent at so many things. Like sure. I, I have to travel to Brazil to find somebody that can beat me in grappling. Sure. You know, I have to go to a world championship shooting competition to find somebody that's going to beat me in shooting. You know, I have to go to. So like, every time I teach a sheepdog course, I fight everybody in the whole entire place, and I shoot against every every single buddy that every single person that's there. Sure. You're like, let's do a stress test. I'm gonna, you guys are gonna watch me do it and then I'm gonna race every single one of you. So yeah, it's gonna make them better, but it's also gonna give me an opportunity maybe to get just a little bit quicker, just a little bit faster, you know? Um, and guy, I hope I find that guy that beats me. You know? That's cool. I mean, you don't, you don't run into very many people that are like that. Like you said, you have to travel a long ways to go find people who purposely put themselves out there. But you have to have the courage to fail. That's what it comes down to. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm traveling to, to crazy places to find somebody that can do something better than me. Yeah. But the first thing is that I'm, I'm having the courage to go and find somebody that will beat me. Sure. Like, be that guy. You know, you don't need to be the smartest guy in the room. Like, every, every person that I'm trying to find to, to help me run aspects of my businesses, yeah. I want them to be smarter than me. Sure. Like, I want them to like, embarrass me. How cool is that? You know, it's like, man, that is a way better idea than my idea. Let's do let's, your idea. Let's go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so that's going to make this way easier? Cool. Let's do that. I was talking to somebody last night about that. They, uh, they hired somebody to, um, I can't remember exactly what it is that they were doing, but the, it, the topic came up, forgive this analogy, talking about choking people out. And 
going on and everything else. This person was in a fantasy football league or okay. fantasy baseball league. Okay. Right? So not quite the same level of competition. Yeah. However, uh, their strategy to win that particular league, I was I was like, who does that? Who thinks that way? Well, this guy did. He had he had won, I guess, one season of, of baseball or one series of baseball. I don't I don't play that though, so I don't really understand the fantasy components. It's just not my thing. However, this guy, he um, he won like a pitching league or the fantasy baseball points with only batters, even though it was designed to be pitchers because he was able to draft in a certain way. So his ability to think of a new strategy or just a little bit of a wrinkle different than everybody else was the separator. And you see that, I guess, I don't want to say elite, I don't want to classify, but you see that a lot with, with academia, that, that if there's a, a different strategy or a different component or a different, uh, like somebody who was part of the right fraternity, that that's going to be the pathway for them to be successful. When more often than not, that's typically the thing that will hold that person back as opposed to create a network for that. Does that make sense? 100%. Um, that's, a, that's, I think, staying within a comfort zone. You know, I, I, I hate cliche mottos, you know, like being an out-of-box thinker or, you know, like step out of the, step, step out of the comfort, blah, 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 blah. Just, if you're doing something where you're just comfortable, where, you, where everything is easy for you, you're never going to succeed at anything. You know, you're never going to, like you look at some of those brilliant authors, like they were tortured, troubled people. You know, you look at the some of the best commanders from the MacArthur, uh, MacArthur's and the Patton's to um, the Huns to the Spartans to the Samurai, you see a life that it that is strife with conflict and struggle. Sure. You know, and you look at artists, sculptors, painters, the ones that made things that that resonate to 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 this day, um, in in their. Yeah, massive struggle, pain, suffering. And so why? You're almost damning yourself to boring. You're almost damning yourself to lukewarm. You're almost damning yourself to just getting by right. by being comfortable. So those guys that, that, that uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's people who think like you, right? They just don't necessarily access the, the media to get the message out. Or they're just, you know, they're not as outgoing. Or you know what, they just, they want to live their life as an example and, uh, you know, lead their kids or lead their family. Exactly what you're talking about. It's not necessarily about putting yourself out there to be that example. It's just leading who you can. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Truth be told, I'm not doing what I do for anybody else but me. Like, people see what I do and, and people, I'm not doing it for them. Like I'm doing this for me. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be successful. I'm trying to make my family secure. I'm trying to make them safe. I'm trying to, you know, like, I'm not leading by example. I'm just doing, I'm just living and I'm living it. Like I'm too dumb to, I'm too, I'm not smart enough to like have this big plan of like, okay, this is, here's the first, first guy out, last guy in. You're like, no, I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm, what I say you're supposed to do. Um, and I fail all the time. And people see me fail. What's one of the biggest things that you've, in your experience, and the people that you've met, uh, you don't have to name names or anything like that, but what is, what, where is where you saw somebody failing and you just you couldn't really do anything about it or they weren't humble enough to admit that they were just screwing up and you just sat there and watched them? Or 
Did you try to stop them? Try to stop them. You did? Yeah. Um, Can you think of like an example of, of, a, of one that you could, that you could share? Yeah. So I have uh, my buddy Shane that I work out with. Yeah. We're, we're together a lot because... Um, he's a cool dude. He's a good dude. He's a really good dude. Because we both have uh, the same demons uh, or similar ones. And like we are intimately familiar with, with those demons, those same temptations. And we, and we travel in similar circles. Um, and he's one of the few people that I never have to question why he's with me. You know, like a lot of, a lot of people, they, they come around because they want something. They want access to this or they want something free or they want me to promote something. This is, uh, I can't do anything for Steiners, you know, <laughs> like what am I going to do for them? That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, do you want tickets to the UFC work. or you could just yeah. buy every single seat at the whole entire venue? Sure. Um, but like we, we go to a gym to work out and there's a period of time where when we first got there, the girls that were at the gym were like predators. Like they, they, they wanted their hunters. They wanted us sure. as trophies up on their wall. And we wouldn't leave the gym unless we left together. And we wouldn't walk in the doors unless we were walking in together. Um, you want to talk about buddy system, yeah, you know, it's sure. like we're never leaving a guy behind. That's ultimate accountability right there. Yeah. And when we're looking for a specific example. It's when somebody, when somebody would come up and be like, hey, I'm going to go hop in the shower real fast. Um, and they have like private showers there. It's like, do you want to come? You know, and I see my buddy beelining for me, you know, because he didn't, he didn't know what words were coming out of her mouth. Sure. But he knew what proposition was being made. You know, he's like, hey, I'll go order our drinks and uh, we got to roll, right? We're going to head over and, and get that midday practice in. It's like, yes, we are. Um, right about now. Yeah, like, right, yeah, yeah. right now. Let's, let's go get that yeah. shake and head out the door. Um, and then we shaped what that environment was like because people understood that that's just not how it worked. Sure. Um, could, have, could Shane have just hung back and, and watched me fail? Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely could have. You know, um, I today chastised some of the guys I was training with for not having the courage to fail. As we're, as we're wrestling, as we're grappling, like I'd shown exactly what I wanted them to do. And in those opportunities when they could have tried it, they didn't. And they just did what they thought they were safe and comfortable with doing. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, like, you know, like I'm okay. I didn't, but they didn't take that risk. So instead of getting a pat on the back that they ended up in, the, in, a, in a good position, they got castigated by me being like, you didn't have the courage to maybe fail. That's when you're going to get better. You know, so sometimes being a good friend is, yeah, stepping up and stopping somebody from failing, but sometimes it's, it's letting them struggle through it yeah. and, and pointing it out so that they can not do it again. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, that's how you, in some cases, you teach your kids, hey, you just you put your hand on the stove. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a self-correcting problem. Yeah, it's, it my, my wife and I fight about that all the time. She's you know, like, not to be a helicopter mom. I'm like, let him fall off that rock. You know, it's only it's only two and a half feet. He's gonna yeah, you know, he's going to get a bruise for sure. He'll probably get scraped up if he falls into that bush. Maybe he's got a thorn and a splinter and we'll pull it out. Heaven forbid. Yeah, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Yeah. But he'll be better. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll either get on that rock <laughs> and he won't fall off. My, my three-year-old put a Lego up his nose. Uh, 
It was. I was shocked. Well, the thing was, is I went to go grab the tweezers right away. My wife was like, no, stop. So we ended up actually getting it removed. We had to go get it removed. But it's interesting you talk about that because, you know, had we not even been there or, you know, had, you can't, you just, you start thinking about, well, what would have happened if we just ignored that? You know, and you were talking about being a helicopter parent. It's just, the funny thing is, as kids, boys, we, we just, it's, Irrationally stupid. Yeah, that's why women live longer than us. That's true. It's because they don't put their Legos up their noses. Uh, I'm sure that factors in. So it's funny. Uh, well, I mean, I appreciate you, you taking the time. I mean, we're right up, uh, we're right up against it nice. right now. So thank you for taking some time. Of course. Uh, do you want to talk any more about sheepdog or anything in particular? No, I mean, life, life, life is good. I got it's going to be a good year. Um, you know, I got a couple of deployments coming up in the next few months. How does that affect your show? Um, you? I'm almost done shooting the whole show. Really? Yeah, so... Do you do that before you deploy it? Or do you have to get it all wrapped up beforehand? Yeah. Um, so I'm not... Like, I don't have a day off until I leave, and then I leave, and then, uh, you know, maybe I'll make it back by Christmas. And, like, I might I might not be home until Christmas, and it's freaking March right now. you got to take advantage of that time. Yeah. So... Yeah. We appreciate you dedicating some time to this. Yeah. What's uh, what's next when you get back? At the beginning of next year, you're gonna start another apparel company. <laughs> I got I got I got Ranger up. That's a good apparel company. Yeah. I got Woobies, good shoe company, uh-huh. and uh, Sheepdog, good defensive tactics company, and then and then I, I partner with a bunch of people and things that I've been using my whole life, like Five Eleven, Leupold, Gerber. And like people are like, oh, you're sponsored by them. It's like. Yeah, I know. Like, my first knife was a Gerber when I was, like, a Royal Ranger. And then I carved my name in the back of my dad's upholstery in a seat in a Suburban. And I was like, no, my brother did that. It's like, then why does it say Tim K in it? <laughs> Tim know? was here. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, it was him. Um, like, the first scope I got was that VFX loophole to go on my Ruger 1022. You know, like, the first time I deployed the multi... So, like, this is just stuff I've used for forever. And that's why I represent these companies because, like... This is just what I use. Sure. <laughs> like I said, I'm too dumb to to not to be anything else but myself. Modest. That's cool. I, I get it. So uh, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, listen, this is uh, this is Stephen. Hey, we're signing off today. Knuckleway Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on uh, Google Play. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us a lot of places. Just Google. You know how to use it. Uh, Tim Kennedy, he is, you can find him at, at Tim Kennedy on Twitter. Yep, at Tim Kennedy MMA on everything. Yeah, Tim Twitter, Kennedy Facebook, MMA. Instagram. Yeah. Very good. So, appreciate you tuning in, guys. We'll talk to you soon. See you.